Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck, as you can check me out here every Monday throughout football season, talking all things college football. We are just two weeks away from the college football playoffs, all things NFL. It's a misery Monday for the Commanders, but we've got a good Monday night football game to prep for you tonight with the Eagles taking on the Seahawks. But uh, Stubb, love doing my show here at Capital Ale House. It's bumping here on a Monday, uh, December 18th. Big lunch crowd. And in fact, we just had an AWOD Army listener stop by and introduce himself. And he was wearing a Maryland jacket. Love that. Uh, he said he was from the DMV, D.C. area, then moved down here to Richmond a few years ago. Of course, my mom went to Maryland. She's a Terp. And I have some great memories from watching the Terps and Gary Williams uh, growing up. But it is time for the Richmond Commander. We do this every single day at 1 p.m. throughout the rest of football season. Once football season ends, it becomes the black and gold report at 1 p.m. And VCU did have a big win. But I've got some things to get off my chest about the Commanders. It's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, the question of the day on the Richmond Commander, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Will Sam Howell be the Commander's starting quarterback next season? 833-804-0910. Call AWOD, 833-804-0910, or you can tweet me throughout the show, at AWOD Radio or at 910 The Fan. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air. And, in fact, Trevor chimes in. says, happy Monday, AWOD and Stub. Ron Rivera actually threw laundry on the field with a red flag. He said even though it didn't help, he said he took a power nap during the third quarter. Didn't think we were going to score at all. Thankfully, we did. Yeah, that's what's so funny about the game yesterday, Stub. I really felt like... We're just not going to score any points here. We're going to have a, a game where we get blanked. And then all of a sudden, Jacoby Brissett came in and threw two touchdown passes with the quickness. And they got the commanders back into it. If the defense could have gotten a stop, it could have gotten really interesting. But let's get to AWOD's 10 takeaways. Stub, I'm going to go with number one here, and that is what I opened the show with. I still believe in Sam Howell. You absolutely have no choice for the future of the franchise, but to start Sam Howell over the next three weeks. But my takeaway number one is that Sam Howell needs to prove he's the guy over the next three weeks. What do you think about that, man? I I really, after after yesterday, I don't think he's the guy anymore. He he has to change my mind. Yeah, like not, right. he, he can't just do good like he did at the beginning. He has to do great to change my mind at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's got to put up like 24 points and, and maybe a 300-yard performance. Um, it's going to be tough against the Jets, the Niners, and the Cowboys. That's three really good defenses. Takeaway number two, you just heard the breaking news 10 minutes ago. Finally, the Commanders cut the cheese. Long snapper Cameron Cheeseman that Ron Rivera drafted. They always say don't draft a long snapper. Get one in free agency. Bring one in off the streets. He drafted Cameron Cheeseman. He's been awful. They finally have parted ways, releasing the long snapper. Cutting the cheese this morning. Takeaway number three. Terry McLaurin re-earned the nickname Scary Terry. I mean, am I am I right, Stub? 
He looked electrifying. He was the best player on the field probably for both teams yesterday. Yeah, I'd been out on him for a while, but I just realized that they haven't been looking at him. You put yeah. a quarterback that looks for Terry, and all of a sudden he's he's back to being our best player again. I know, and I get it. Yes, it's the end of the game. It's garbage time, and, and you know the Rams were probably playing like a prevent defense, but they threw it up to Terry three different times there, and three different times he made the catch, and two of them, uh, one of them resulted in a touchdown. Another one, unfortunately, he was down at the one-yard line, and it took the commanders about seven minutes to score after that. But uh, Scary Terry is back. He looked terrific, and um, I absolutely think when you have a wide receiver like that, you have a decent quarterback you can build around those two. Takeaway number four, I thought we really missed Brian Robinson, especially with that goal line debacle stub. I mean, Brian Robinson hasn't been the greatest running back this season. He's been much better catching the ball out of the backfield. But you can really count on him, I feel like, for short yardage situations because he's such a power back, such a, you know, put my head down, my helmet down, and run over you, north and south kind of guy. I think we really missed him yesterday. I agree. I fully agree. You can tell that we were not running the ball forward compared to anything we did when he was on our team. Yep. Number five goes back to the bet that we have with Michael Phillips. He's already. It sounds like he's already conceded the bet, Stub. Uh, he, he's going to be doing push-ups, getting ready uh, for the date that we have him do it on air, 50 push-ups on air. Uh, we're not going to let him do 25 on his show, 25 on my show. Nope, we're going to do all 50 in one segment during crosstalk here while we mic him up as he starts to choke. And uh, probably he might need us to call the ER. <laughs> 50 push-ups seems to be a lot for a newspaper guy uh, like himself. Nothing against you newspaper guys. I've just I've never met a newspaper guy that I felt like could beat me in a fight. All right, uh, and that's a shot at David Teal. No, I'm just kidding. 14-time <laughs> sports writer of the year uh, and a legend though, I saw Saturday at the VCU game. Uh, takeaway number five, though, is the defense has gotten worse. I mean, Cooper Cup could not have been more open, right? It's been a theme in the NFL this year that started with Mike McDaniels and the Miami Dolphins. He's such an incredible offensive mind. Of course, he started his career in Washington. Same with Sean McVay, who took a page out of McDaniels' book where he had Cooper Cup go in motion before the start of the play. Because of that, he had his speed already up in top gear, and nobody in Washington even thought to fuck freaking guard a guy like Cooper Cup. And so he was just so wide open, and they didn't even come within 20 feet of him. The most wide open play I've ever seen. Takeaway number six, the offensive line does not seem to be even trying hard, right? I mean, my goodness, on some of these goal line situations, they get no push. On third down, Sam Howell's constantly running for his life. It seems like anytime an opposing team blitzes, they get right past our offensive line. Takeaway number seven is that Ron Rivera actually threw the challenge flag. Uh, that that kind of shocked me that he did that. We lost the challenge. Uh, the NFL seems to always go against the commanders. I think he should have thrown it twice. I think you respect Terry McLaurin for the effort that he made on that play in which they initially called it a catch. Right? Did that drive you crazy, Stubb, watching the game? They called it a catch on the sideline. It's an amazing one-handed grab. And then within, like, 30 seconds, they changed their call. Yeah, and they, I, it's like, I think Michael tweeted, if they're going to look at it, did they not look at the pass interference that happened? Right, I, right. Based on they well, that's that's an yeah. issue with the with the NFL and the rules is they can't look at pass interference. They should be able to um, by now, right? With how many issues they they've had with it, but I just think like the NFL screwed Terry. And if I was the head coach, I would respect his effort there and at least throw the challenge flag, 
you know, who cares if you lose your timeout? You're already down by 14 or 21 points at that time. Throw the challenge flag again. Takeaway number eight. I don't know about you, Stubb. I almost think the Rams took it easy on the Commanders. I don't know if, like, Sean McVay felt bad for Ron <laughs> Rivera or felt bad for the fan base um, because, you know, he knows so many people in this area from his time here. But to me, it felt like the Rams could have won that game by 20 and they put their foot off the pedal. Did that? Did it feel that way to you? It just seems like they weren't really making those final drives. I mean, they put up 450 yards on us. They just weren't right. scoring the points when they got to the red zone, which yeah. I, I don't know if they were taking it easy or if they just didn't want to get anyone hurt because they knew they would win no matter what. Yeah, a little unlucky, too, with with a couple of fumbles, right? It's not like the commander's defense did anything to force those fumbles. It was just guys dropping the ball. Takeaway number nine, I, I've been saying this for weeks, cannot wait for Ron Rivera to be fired. It, it's going to be it's gonna be as good as winning a Super Bowl. Like I, I want to push the restart button on the, quarter, on the head coach position so badly. And, you know, of course, the Chargers beat us to it, right? Of course... Several teams, including the Raiders, beat us to it, firing their head coach. When you're in a head coaching uh, situation like Washington where it's a lame duck season, I do not understand why you're holding on to Ron Rivera. Give somebody else the opportunity of a lifetime to coach an NFL team. Takeaway number 10, I'm still a Coach Eric Bieniemy fan as the offense coordinator, but I'm starting to feel like he's got a few weaknesses, right? Like I really think – I love his play calling on first down. I like his play calling on second downs. I feel like he's got a, a, a short yardage issue. And it might just be the offensive line, right? You're so limited when it's third and one, fourth and one, you can't just run a tush push like the Eagles. You can't just QB sneak it or turn it off, turn around and hand it to a running back. Because of that situation, he's forced to call plays uh, that don't have a high success rate. And so I, I just, I don't know. I think he has a weakness with short yard situation. Maybe it's just the offensive line. You can tell me, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU Basketball. And the Rams got a big win on Saturday at the Siegel Center as they took on the Temple Owls. It was a revenge game for Ram Nation as VCU went up to Temple last year and took the L. And on Saturday with a completely brand new roster from last year to this year, VCU pounded the Owls. In the first half, the halftime score was 50 to 31. Final score Rams win by 9, 87 to 78. And the biggest thing that jumps out to me in the box score is the plus minus. Plus 18 leading all VCU players was Joe Bamasil, who provided 11 points, two rebounds. Uh, and a steal on the game. And, man, he was all over the place there, all over the court. Uh, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but you saw like him attacking the basket opens up the offense. And it was a brand-new VCU team with Joe Bamisil running the second unit there alongside Jason Nelson and Fats Billups. And it just shows that VCU now has a completely different um you know, style of offense that with a guy like Joe Bamisil where they can run three or four guards with a Toby Lawal or a Christian Furman down low. And, 
you know, he is a three-way scorer, right? He can shoot the outside shot. He can drive to the basket. He's got a mid-range jump shot. Uh, I also think he's got really good court vision. Uh, he had a few hockey assists, right? The pass that led to the pass that was the assist. And it was just so great to get him back in the lineup. I know after the game, uh, he was asked a simple question. Why are you always smiling? He was so happy. And he said, I wake up every day and he just thanks God that he is uh, here at VCU and he's able to represent the Rams now. And it, it looks to be official that the NCAA will not be able to take Joe Bamisil out of the lineup here with the court case being suspended until the spring. Uh, and so we had thought that maybe he was only 13-day window that he could play and that there would be another ruling on December 27th. But from my knowledge of the situation and from what I've seen reporting, Joe Bam will bam for the Rams and go ham for the rest of the season. Uh, but, you know, we should mention, uh, I think the backcourt was terrific once again. 19 points for Zeb Jackson, 19 points for Max Shulga, combining for 12 assists, so not just being a scoring backcourt. And, you know, I actually did some research on <clears throat> the VCU backcourt last year. Ace Baldwin, nothing against Ace. A-10 player of the year, defensive player of the year. But he averaged 12 points for the season, and Zeb Jackson is at 15 points a game right now. And Max Shulga's at 16 you know, and they're replacing Ace Baldwin and Jaden Nunn, who were one of the best backcourt duos in the A-10 last year and led them, uh, the Rams, to an A-10 championship. But we might have even upgraded offensively. Right? I'm not going to say Zeb Jackson is the defender that Ace Baldwin is, and Max Schulg is certainly not the on-ball defender that Jaden Nunn was. But, man, can they score. Man, they're starting to hit their outside shot. And Max Schulg has been terrific at getting fouled. All right? Six fouls drawn on the game against Temple. Went to the free throw line, knocked it down with ease. 10 of 10, and the Rams as a whole were 18 of 21. They've been a top 35 free throw shooting team in the country this year as I feel like the offense is on fire. We've had an offensive explosion 80 points scored in four of the last five games for VCU, and it's not like the defense uh, has been bad at all. Uh, the Rams forced 12 turnovers against Temple. Really, I, I thought could have had a 20-point win if it wasn't for Sam Hoffman, who went 5 of 7 from the three-point line, and man, he looked like a bulldog. He looked like a linebacker on the court for the Temple Owls, and VCU could not stop him, but aside from his 17 points and 5 for 7, uh, Temple as a team really did struggle with their shooting percentage. In the first half, they were shooting just 34% from the field, and for the game, they finished just 45%. So the Rams did a really good job defensively forcing Temple uh, to shoot uncomfortable shots, and offensively, it was the explosion of Zab and Max Shulga. It was Joe Bamisil off the bench uh, with a good game, and now... Uh, another game where you had four players in double digits with Kwani Kwani. All right, so he had four threes the other night. He had back-to-back -back threes in the first half against Temple. His outside shooting has created a different dimension for VCU's offense. When it, he was missing every shot there, it kind of felt like, oh, you throw it to Kwani, he's going to pump fake and pass it right back to uh, the point guard. Well, now defenses have to adjust uh, because 2K Kwani Kwane is hitting his outside shot. And it was just it was a terrific game for the Rams here. Another thing that sticks out to me, was fast break points. Uh, I've been talking about this on the pregame show. The one thing that's been missing for the Rams offense this year 
is the layups and dunks that gets the crowd excited. 13 fast break points against the Temple Owls. I'll have to check, but I think it was one of the best uh, fast break performances of the season. They were getting out and running in transition. There's been a few games this year where I look at the fast break points at the end of the game, and it's four, it's two, it's six at the most. 13 fast break points, easy buckets, and transition leads to better looks from the offensive side of the ball when you're in a half-court set. And uh, the offensive efficiency for the Rams has been really good, shooting 50% for the game. I like when they shoot 35% or more from the three-point line. They were 37.5% against Temple. And like I said, it's been really impressive the way they have shot it from the free-throw line as the Rams led almost wire-to-wire, 37.41 with the time with the lead. So just two minutes for the Temple Owls early uh, in that game when they went on a run, but then the Rams went on a 12-0 run. They went on a 20-3 run to close out the half, and uh, it was smooth sailing in the second half for Ram Nation as they got that big win against the Temple Owls. And, man, is it just a different VCU roster with Joe Bamisil? And you know what? By our next game, December 22nd against Maryland Eastern Shore. I'm very confident we will have Sean Berstow back in the lineup there, uh, possibly even as a starter. Maybe they bring him back slowly, put him off the bench, and give the second unit uh, another spark there. But you, here's what I feel like you're seeing. You're finally seeing Ryan Odom's vision. We talked about this guy in the offseason here as being an offensive genius, one of the best young minds in college basketball. Of course, um, his dad was a longtime coach at Virginia and then at Wake Forest where he made his mark. And Ryan Odom certainly stepped onto a national stage when his UMBC Terriers defeated UVA, the first 16-over-1 seed upset in the NCAA. Then he continued that offensive upwards trajectory when he went to Utah State for two years and coming to VCU, right? Ryan Odom knew he wanted to take this job in the middle of the Mar- of March, right? And I think at the end of March, he was, you know, doing the intro press conference here. And at that point, you had every single player from VCU outside of Zeb Jackson put their name into the transfer portal, right? Well, Fats Billups stayed, but he redshirted last year. Christian Furman stayed. He didn't play much last year. Toby Lawal stayed. He also wasn't used very much last year with Jalen Deloach and Brandon Johns Jr. getting a bulk of the minutes down low. But Ryan Odom came in here with a vision. I'm going to take this guy from the transfer portal. I'm going to take this guy from the international game. I'm going to take this guy. I'm going to run my offense through Zeb Jackson. Not just make him the starting point guard, but captain. All right? And give him the confidence that I believe in him to go out there and lead this offense here. And so we're starting to see this vision that Ryan Odom had in the offseason come to fruition. A big part of that vision was the three-time transfer, Joe Bamisil. And we see the way that he can attack the basket and create his own shot. And it's going to help the offense a ton when we get into conference play. And speaking of the A-10, they had a really good uh, Saturday night. Did not do that good in the early contest. I was very upset to see Rhode Island fall to Delaware. But in the late games, George Mason beats Loyola, Maryland. UMass in the Basketball Hall of Fame Classic defeats West Virginia. That's a big win for the A-10. Richmond took care of business against Charlotte, 64-56. to St. Joseph's beat Iona. Dayton 
beat Cincinnati. That's a major win for the A-10, defeating Cincinnati. And then St. Louis with a last-minute win over Louisiana Tech. So a pretty good season here for the A-10 and out-of-conference play. And speaking of the Richmond Spiders, who got a good win, we will be joined by Coach Mooney, the head coach of the Richmond Spiders, tomorrow on AWOD Radio. So make sure you're locked to 910 The Fan if you're a Spiders fan. I know. I know you're upset. We spent a ton of time talking VCU basketball, obviously because I'm a VCU alum, but we will touch on the Spiders as I'll be joined by the head coach, Chris Mooney, Tuesday on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We'll catch up with our buddy Matthew Paris, who used to cover the Commanders, now is in New Orleans covering the Saints. We'll go around the NFL with him at 2 p.m. Of course, there's a few local stories here in Richmond that I want to touch on in the 2 o'clock hour as well. But joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, columnist for 106.7 The Fan, and Sergeant Snyder in the AWOD Army. It's Rick Snyder. What's going on, Rick? We're in a full retreat up here, AWOD. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's been bad. And so, uh, you know, I started the show by saying I'm still a believer in Sam Howell. And I absolutely think the best way for the franchise to move forward here is to keep him as the starter for the final three weeks. But he's got to prove it to me. If he wants to be the starter next year over these last three weeks here, all of a sudden these next three weeks really matter in terms of my Howell evaluation. What do you think? Um, not so much because the next coach is going to be evaluating and he'll have a different clipboard than we do. Um, you know, it, they have a chance of getting a number two overall pick if they lose this week. Right. Uh, and we're, and well, we're that's why I kind of think Sam's playing for his job, right? I mean, if Sam if Sam keeps losing, they're going to have no choice but drafting a quarterback because they'll be at number two overall. Yeah, absolutely. Then you have to. I mean, you can't pass up a chance. Although I, I am not a Caleb guy at all, I would pass. I'd trade down if that's the guy. Can you convince me I, why you're not I a Caleb he, guy? I think he is a bust for the pros mentally. You know, I just see things. I don't think he can handle the pro game and it's stress. You know, mm-hmm. does he have the ability? Yeah. But look at all the things that have happened, uh, you know, with, with, you know, needing a break and crying and once part of a franchise, which can't happen under the salary cap. You know, where's your mind at? I mean, it's, I just don't see him working out at all on the pros. So I wow. would not go with him as a two. No, no. Um, and, you know, Sam, I've been a big Sam guy. I think Sam is gas, though. And I think, really, if it were me, there's not a problem with starting Jacoby Brissett this one game. And then let Sam come back for the last two and see what he can do. This game is going to be a big evaluation. You're playing another rotten team. Show me what you do against San Francisco and Dallas. Now, the whole team is gassed out. They they, they came back from the bye and said, seriously, we got to really play four more? <laughs> you know, and so that's, that's that problem. Is, and I know people are going, look how the offensive line blocked for Jacoby. Totally different game situation at that point. Now they're playing yeah. prevent defense, you know. So that, that's people who talk about that don't know football. Um, I just think it's okay to give Sam a break, just like they did Emmanuel Forbes earlier this year. In seventeen games is a long time, and some and new players like they are have a hard time. We used to talk about the college slump for first year players after ten games, 
they get to maybe Thanksgiving and they'd wear out. Now, the college season now goes on forever, so you don't see that as much. But you do see a difference uh, at times with, with first-year players getting passed into December. They're not used to playing that, uh, except for the really good teams. So I, I just think maybe he's gassed and needs a break. Rick, you said something that brings up my point from earlier in the season where I feel like Josh Harris failed this fan base by sticking with Ron Rivera because you said they they went through the bye week and they're like, oh, do we really have to play these final four weeks? And I felt like that's what we saw on the field. I don't think they want to play for Ron Rivera anymore, right? And, and so if they have nothing to play for, it's going to hurt our evaluation of the quarterback with Sam Howell. And, and so I, I just – I really feel like, look, the Chargers made a move. You know, several other teams have made a move. What is Josh Harris waiting for here? Is it just, oh, yeah, well, Ron's losing games, so it's better for draft picks. I think Harris does not want to look like a reactionary like Dan Snyder. That's his number one deal. Don't look like Dan Snyder. Okay, so everybody wants to fire Ron for Christmas. I mean, seriously, what's that going to be worth? Did you notice that in uh, the Chargers – one of the assistant coaches said, I don't want to be the interim coach because he didn't want those losses coming on his resume. He said, I want to coach somewhere else. Classic move. So he stayed away. You're not going to get anybody else. Nothing's going to change. Just let it bleed out and be done with it already. Uh, this, this team isn't going to do anything no matter who's coaching it. And I just, I wouldn't have fired Ron before the season started, like you say Harris could have, because who are you going to get you know, at right. that point? You know, and then, and then are you just going to have him come in for one year? That looks even stupider. So you have to just ride this one out, and, you know, we'll see who they get. I mean, it's it's hard to say. It's an attractive situation of, you know, an owner who has not proven to be a bad owner, except to me I would not have sent out ticket renewal forms a week a week earlier before Christmas with an 8% increase. I would have let that slide a couple of weeks. But, you know, and he's about money, so we saw something there about him, but You've got probably a good owner. They're going to put money into practice facilities, for instance, uh, things like that. You've got a, you know, a high draft picks in the draft. You've got a lot of cap money you can spend. Uh, you're going to have hopefully a, the general manager will be a real key there too because let's just say they, they sign somebody that people don't like you know, in the business, then yeah. maybe you don't want to coach for that. That's a key thing too. Uh, I don't know how that will play out yet. But, you know, but – Things are coming. They'll get better. Be a busy January. Rick Snyder with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media at Snyder underscore remarks. So, look, I, I, I personally would have fired Ron Rivera after the Bears game and then against the first the first game against the Giants and then again after the second game with Tommy DeVito beating us uh, for the Giants. But I understand what you're saying. He doesn't want to be reactionary. Uh, but the players don't want to play for him. And so I think that's what it – comes down to here and that's why you're seeing um, some of these awful performances especially on the defensive side of the ball and so Michael Phillips and I have been doing our bet Rick I believe you're aware of it over the next few weeks here we're determining whether or not the defense improved at all under Ron Rivera's defensive play calling in charge of the defense what do you think has it improved at all has it gotten worse or stayed the same well they only gave up what 28 yesterday so Theoretically, that's better. Um, you know, it's not that they don't want to play for Ron. It's that they really don't want to play at this point. It's not, you know, Ron hasn't 
They right, but what about back. the quotes from Montez Sweat that Matt Eberflus has them wanting to play for him? They're in a similar situation, aren't they? No, because Montez just signed a big money deal, you know, <laughs> there, and, and he's gotten the carrot in front of the stick thing, you know, and a new fresh start. And players always play well when they go to a new city, at least in the beginning. I mean, Mont- mm-hmm. Montez has this rare thing. We're still looking it up. Could he lead two teams in the same season in sacks? Because right now he leads the Bears. And he leads commanders. I've never seen anything like that. I've talked to some historians who are looking it up. That, that's a bizarre thing. Now, why is Montez playing even better there? Well, I think things fit better for him there. You don't see Chase playing better. Chase is still watching plays. You know, that's, that's the one I would have gotten rid of more than Montez, but, you know, without money. And he got a second rounder for him, so they couldn't turn it down. Uh, I just don't – you know, if you had gotten rid of Ron in the middle of the season, who are you going with, E.B.? Well, everybody wants to fire EB now, so I don't think he's staying, to be honest. And the fans are unhappy with him. You, you got rid of Del Rio. I mean, what was the special teams coach going to do it? Well, he can't get the snapper to get the ball back there. They got rid of <laughs> Cheeseman today, so there isn't any. There's no options here. Just let it, let the plane crash and burn, and we'll start over with a new plane. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. Cameron Cheeseman was quoted after the game saying, I've been worried about my job, basically, uh, because most teams would have cut me by now, and then today he was cut. <laughs> well, the amazing part of me with Cheeseman is is for two years he was okay. Okay, he wasn't great, but he was okay. And and I never understood why they got rid of Nick Sundberg before. That totally baffled me on that. But Cheeseman said during training camp, I've changed my grip, I'm working on some things. Why? you got one thing to do, and if as long as you do it, nothing else matters. It's not like you're a D lineman and you got to get a different spin move because they figured Chase out already, that kind of thing. you just got to snap the ball back there. And I guess he got into his own head, and, you know, he's just been, you know, going with danger the whole time. We'll find out around 3 o'clock if the punter's still in one piece thanks to that bad snap. Yeah, that's a, he's, a worth, he's your best player. And uh, so – you know, Cheeseman cost himself there. It's just like, wow, your own worst enemy. Rick, always appreciate you taking the time to join the show, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. That is Sergeant Snyder in the AWOD Army, Rick Snyder. Follow him on social media at Snyde underscore remarks. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Alehouse here in Innsbruck. Come on by, check out the show, grab some food, great burgers, amazing wings, a good beer selection. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, live and local here in Richmond, Virginia, Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. You can always check us out on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, best damn sports talk in town. It lets you pause the show, rewind, pick up right where you left off. If you're enjoying the show, you can also check out the podcast. Spread the word. Send it to a friend or two. Say happy holidays. Here's AWOD Radio. The best of AWOD Radio is available every single day for you on your drive home. And the phone lines are always open. We like to make this as interactive a radio show as possible. 
0-9-10-8-3-3-8-0-4-0-9-10. And joining us right now, looks like uh, on line two, we've got our buddy D Woods calling back in. D, what's up, buddy? Happy Monday. Well, mis- happy misery Monday. We didn't we didn't lose last week, so nobody, you know, the one forty five slot was open. I didn't have to call in and, and talk about us losing, but here we are again, another Monday, another loss to talk about. How's it going, Awat? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm miserable, right? I, I just hate watching my team lose. I, I feel even worse when my quarterback does not perform well. And you have been all over the place on Sam Howe. You were initially a hater. And then, and then, like, you yeah. came to Capitol Hill House and we hung out here, and you were like, that guy's got some moxie. He's got the dog in him. Yeah. Where do you feel about t- Sam Howe today? Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I feel like you might have spiked my drink that day when I was over there with you because <laughs> I, I might have uh, been off the wagon and, 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 and <laughs> had a little too much of a sip. I think – here's my thing about Sam Howe. I think the guy is serviceable, right? We, he, I think he's going to be a great backup quarterback. But I think he's going to be – a good, mediocre uh, starting quarterback. Uh, he he's gun shy now. We've seen it for the past few weeks. He he can't get out in his own way. I texted you yesterday. I said it had to happen. They had to bring Jacoby Brissett in. Excuse me. My question is, how do we and who should be doing the evaluations now? Right. All the the, the coaching staff is gone. We know they're going to be gone. So who can actually be in place here to make sure the team moving forward? for next year and the year to come, it's going to be in a good spot. Well, I, I think we all want to know who's going to be evaluating, right? It's the next GM and then, then the guy that the next GM hires to be the next head coach. Um, I, I just think this Sam Howell here over the next three weeks has got to put some better game film on tape. If you look at the course of the year, it has not been good enough. And I even told Rick Snyder this. Uh, last week, or excuse me, last segment. I mean, he had some good points about how you always see this from young quarterbacks and college quarterbacks uh, because around Thanksgiving they run out of steam. And look, the Commanders are now on a five-game losing streak, and Sam Howell hasn't looked good in four of those five games. I do think he had a good performance against the Seahawks, but since then has been lousy. Um, and, And so I really think here Sam Howell might be playing for his job because if the Commanders continue to lose and finish the season 4-13, and you're going to have no choice but to draft a quarterback because of your draft position. So I almost think if Sam Howell can win, and yeah, we end up getting a worse draft pick because of that, he's going to save his own job. Does that make sense, D? Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And I think you're, I think you're speaking to what I'm speaking to. I, I think that he is actually playing for his – even more, though, than the starting position. I think he's playing for his career at this point because he's been so up and down. I don't think the GMs around the league are going to be able to trust him. And I think that it goes back to that conversation that we talked about, uh, you know, the first couple weeks when I was calling in. I think people are now starting to say, now I know why this guy slipped to the fifth round. You know, uh, we can all talk about his uh, first-round talent, but he's showing over the past few weeks – He's a fifth-round quarterback. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but uh, I, I still want to believe in him. I just I, I've got to see something over the next three weeks here. But another thing that was frustrating from the game was how awful the snaps were. And Ron Rivera has oh. been loyal to Cameron Cheeseman since he drafted him until today when they finally cut him. And uh, I, I think they were forced to do that because of the injury to Tressway. And when I watched the replay of that. I just is Tressway like a 
Is he a wussy? What's going on here? He just got landed on. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. A t- I, I actually thought he was faking it at first, and then, and right. then you know he was just laying there, and I'm like, oh no, this guy's really hurt. Like, what, what's going on with kickers? I mean, this is not flag football. You're going to make contact with people. You should be built enough to 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 take contact. The one thing I will say though, and and Rick Snyder said it the last segment, Tressway for years now has been the team MVP. So I'll give him a pass for the flop and possible concussion, but come on, I'm with you. You got you got to be able to take a hit every once in a while. Absolutely. You know, D, we've been doing a bet on this show between Michael Phillips and, and myself here because I am very confident that as bad as Jack Del Rio is, he's a better defensive coordinator and leader than Ron Rivera. So the bet has been since Jack got fired. Has the defense improved or gotten worse? What would you say? Uh, you know what? I I would say it's it's been about the same. Benjamin St. Juice, I, I I'm telling you, I I would give him a Greyhound ticket. I I won't even fly him to wherever he wants to go. He gets a <laughs> Greyhound ticket to wherever. Um, and Emmanuel Forbes yesterday, he looked lost. It was one play in the first quarter. They he's he's sitting in the zone. He pushes a guy off into the zone, and he's there's nobody in his zone, so he can still actually. Fly. He can actually follow uh, the wide receiver into the zone, and he just pushes him off. And I'm like, this guy, this guy looks like he's never played football a day in his life. The, the cornerbacks and, and the safeties, they, they trouble me the most. So I guess uh, from looking at it uh, at, at, from that standpoint, I kind of still am frustrated with them. But I think they're just, they're just, they're just the, 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 the line is not going up and down, up and down. The heart monitor, I should say, is not going up and down and going up and down. It's just staying steady right now. Yeah, I, I would say that the defense has been worse. I mean, it felt like the Rams converted every single third down. Michael Phillips confirmed they were 7 of 8 to start the game, uh, finished 9 of 16, way above 50%. You had the deep pass to Cooper Cup that's just awful and, and so embarrassing uh, that the commanders let that happen. And, and you're right, I just I don't believe in anybody on the defense besides Cam Curl and Jonathan Allen. And maybe Deron Payne too, but besides that, I think you have to replace uh, most of the defensive side of the ball. And look, the truth is, is that nobody likes to do a radio show on a misery Monday talking about a lousy football team. And now the commanders are officially eliminated and there was no hope or grasping that they were going to get into the postseason. But the losses are starting to pile up and they're starting to frustrate a lot of radio hosts. And I'm not sure if you heard this morning, but there was a bit of a uh, fight on the sports junkies this morning. EB's he's fed up with the losing and, and he's fed up yeah. with uh, having to talk about it. So it's it's funny that you uh, you mentioned that because uh, for my final thoughts, I actually put together my top five producer list, right? Okay. So I got number one drab T-shirt. Yeah. Number two. Do, hold on. We, we do need to explain to the audience, Steve, that um, drab T-shirt was called a mediocre producer on the he sports show today. mediocre today. Yeah. It was called mediocre. Yeah. yeah. Number two, Matt Valdez sneaking in at number three. Get ready. Stub. I like this guy. Number four, number five, CK. Two honorable mentions, though. Rob Spiewak and Baba Booey. (laughs) 
So since we're doing a little inside radio shtick here, and I'm sure this won't get back to EB, right? He's too busy. He's probably out by his hot tub right now, you know, sipping a mimosa, hanging out. So this won't get back to him. I know he doesn't listen to my show, even though I begged him to listen to my show and give me feedback. But here's what I will say, all right? If he thinks Drab T-Shirt's a, a mediocre producer, Nothing against Darius and Ryan Clary, but he should work on Grant and Danny for a day. Nothing against Jim Mullins and Jeff Walker, but he should work on that show for a day. Drab T-Shirt has been producing for 20 years. Darius, I love Darius. He was a promotions guy. Now, he, he's actually a, a yeah. really good producer now, but I would love for EB to have worked with Grant and Danny when Darius just started, right? Or the revolving yeah. door that was the producers for Chad Dukes' show. I mean, are you kidding me? Calling Drab T-Shirt mediocre is so overrated. Yeah, so I have to agree with you. By the way, uh, let me just throw this one in here. Mike Marr, yeah. love Mike Marr too. He gets an honorable mention. I think I think EB would, I think he recognizes he went a little overboard today. Drab T shirt, Matt Baldy, Stub, top of the line producers. I, I know good production, been around radio now almost twenty years. You, these guys are top of the line. Hmm. Well, you know what's an interesting part of this too, is that I, I think the reason for the fight wasn't as much because the commanders are losing over and over and over again. It was more to do with the fact that, like, Drab T-shirt has a belief that in radio you are paid to give a strong opinion. And Eric Bickle almost it felt like he was saying, well, I give an opinion – but I want to go back and forth on that, and I want my I, my opinion to evolve. When Drab's thing is like, "Hey, you have an opinion, and you die on that mountaintop." You die on it. So it goes back to the first question you asked me. I would not be a great radio host because I have waffled on Sam Howe and continue to yeah. do so. So yes, you're right. You need to have a strong opinion and die on that hill. Yeah. If you're confused about everything we're talking about, just listen to the 820 segment from this morning. You will be entertained. Believe me. You will absolutely be entertained. Now, Eric Pickle's definitely a Hall of Fame radio host, uh, but I, I think the reason the Junkies have been so good for so long is because they've been blessed uh, with great producers. Now, if they could ever replace the video producer position and get the YouTube page going again, then I, that'd be great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they, they do. They have Mike Marr now. We call, a, we call him Mwad. <laughs> well, he can try, but I'm not sure he. Uh, I'm not sure he could uh, do all the shtick and, and do the bits that I did behind the scenes. D, great stuff, man. Today, oh, I appreciate man. it. Love you, pal. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the New Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are open throughout the show. It's eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. <laughs> 